will be limited by his head coach. Well, let's talk about coaching, Colm. You, you've, you've set up the segue there nicely. Um, after week four, it, it's still very early in the season. It's only the first quarter of the season, as you pointed out, or would be if we hadn't moved to 17 games, which makes it slightly harder to divide. But um, if we're talking about coaches under pressure, you've kind of alluded to a couple of them there, but you know, it take give me no pleasure to say probably top of the pile at the moment is is, is Matt Eberflus. Like it's very hard to make the case um for the defense there, the way the Bears have gone this season. Um, you know, he doesn't have all the talent in the world, but he sure as hell has a lot more than he did last season when the Bears, despite losing ten games in a row, at least looked competitive, even against some of the better teams in the league. They were right in a lot of those games, lost a lot of one score games. They lost the one score game at the weekend, but a game in which they were twenty eight seven up before he made know a terrible decision and i'll caveat that right it's fourth and one you haven't won in 13 games a lot of people are shouting at the tv going just take the points just take the points you don't need to be too cute here don't go go for it on fourth down i will say in Eberflus's defense i don't necessarily think it's 100 the wrong call to go for it what killed me was they burn a timeout trying to call the 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 deep the defense offside and that doesn't work they then call up a play that doesn't surprise anyone and that timeout proves costly because then you've got no way to stop the clock when you're trying to drive to, to win the game. And that ultimately forces them, forces their hand and probably helps lead to Justin Fields throwing the interception on the last offensive play in the game. Eberflus has not set the Bears up well. Um, he's obviously dealing with the loss of his defensive coordinator. And it's, it, it, it doesn't, it, it's hard to know where they're going to turn here having lost to the, to the Broncos. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of this mess lies on his shoulders. Yeah, I think you've captured uh, it really well there. Um, kind, of, kind of to me, the, watching the bears, it, it's a bit like, do you remember the animals of Farthing Wood? Um, and you'd watch it and you'd almost as a child be covering your eyes because something terrible was going to happen. One of the animals was going to die in a really horrific way. Um, and that's ultimately what watching this bears team is like. They're going to find a way to ruin it for themselves and the head coach just like that that decision not to, to get the, the field goal like he went against the stats like the, the like what do you what do you who where are you making the call like again if you're rolling like sometimes i i get decisions to go for it right i i can understand that desire but ultimately the bears offense had really stalled at that Point, right they weren't rolling this was not the first half where everything was going right and so that's that's a, a point like they it's not just the stats you have to look at it's the uh, ebb and flow of the game where you're at at that particular time um and you look at the chase claypool stuff right he he's like a deer in the headlights when he gets asked about it. even today he still doesn't know what to say and I know there's other people obviously have to be involved in that, but how how are you so ill-prepared for the press when you know what questions are coming? You know, that you can't even take the opportunity. Like, if you want to throw somebody under the bus, there's hardly a more popular candidate than Jay Slayfoot, right? Um, Bears fans have completely turned against him, and, and, and rightly so, based on the, the lack of effort on, on field and the way he stirred up controversy off-field. Nobody's going to be calling for Abel Flus's head over that. And you have an obvious scapegoat here and you refuse to use it for, for whatever reason. And also, you know, the Bears backed off Jalen Carter in the draft and, and the, the, the rationale that came out, even though they've never said so on the record, 
was clearly, well, we're not so sure about him for, from a character perspective. Well, then how did you trade for Chase Claypool? A guy with a known history of being a disrupt, disruptive locker room presence. There's a reason the Steelers were happy to get rid of him. They were happier still to get what effectively turned out to be almost a first round pick. It was 32nd overall pick at the draft because the Dolphins didn't have a first round pick um, in, in last year's draft. Um, I, one of the players who whom they could have taken with that pick, of course, if the Bears had held on to it, would have been Marvin Mims, who ended up killing them on the, on the Dolphins' um, field goal drive to, to, to win that game after Iberflus' tough call to go for it on fourth and one. But like you, you say there, you know, you, you judge the you judge the scenario, you judge where your where, where your team is at. There's four and a half minutes left to go in that game when, when Iberflus makes the call. So in other circumstances you could argue, well, it's still a lot of time for your for your defense to have to hold out and maybe you maybe you're better off going for the points, particularly when your defense defense hasn't been played well playing well. But he's the guy who's calling the defense. If they're not playing well, it's that's on him. It's so no matter which way you look at it, and this is this is a pretty hot seat. Josh McDaniel's another one. You've you've had the Josh McDaniels roller coaster in the past to deal with and call him and it, it doesn't look like panning out any differently in, in uh, Las Vegas to the way it did in, in Denver. And for some reason, Josh McDaniels just doesn't seem to have learned from his past failures. He's rubbing people up the wrong way. He's making poor calls. Um, and it's just not working out so well in Vegas. Yeah, no, he's a disaster. And he he is Cyril Sneer from the Raccoons, if people remember the Raccoons, because it's he he's always right. He, you know, and, and he, he threw a rookie QB who was making his NFL debut um, against a really bad O-line. And managed to hang in there. And yes, he started the game really poorly. But ultimately, he he stuck in there. He didn't let his head drop. And the Chargers had to dig deep to, to get the win. And Joshua Chargers went up there and basically made out that the entire loss was on the, the rookie QB. He He's not liked. He, he's not, he wasn't liked in Denver. I can't imagine he's liked. I know the the fans don't like him. I can't imagine he's liked in the the locker room because when a, a player see a coach who is willing to throw a, a player under the bus like that, like think about last year, right? When Goff had some struggles for the Lions, right, and who are flying, um, and and brilliant, um, and think about the way in which Dan Campbell wasn't shy or, or wasn't afraid to call Goff out at times and to highlight Jared needs to play better but I need to put Jared in better situations it's also on me um, and he always looked to do that um, Josh McDaniels does not do that it's Josh, the Josh show and Josh is always right um, but Josh is going to be out in his ear very soon He's it, the only thing stopping Vegas is the payoff We've probably talked about Brandon Staley a lot in the past, so maybe we'll give Staley a, a pass I, just to mention. So, so I, 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 the only thing I'll say on him, he is Charlie Brown. He never learns. He continues to try to to kick the football, and Lucy keeps pulling it away. Two key coaches I want to discuss who perhaps some people might be surprised that they're on this list, but with a certain degree of justification, I would argue. The first is, is Brian Dayball. We touched on him before. Might seem crazy that 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 his butt would be on the the hot seat so early, but when your offense shows up as poorly as 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 his had, you know, shut out six points in one game, three points in another game, it's it's it, it's bad, and and the, the the signs of tension between him and Daniel Jones do not bode well for the season ahead. And um, is there a scenario in which Dayball could be headed for the exit door? Oh, um, 
I, I was I wouldn't say say that I I, I think again maybe maybe if things continue with Daniel Jones we'll get a few more insights into who ultimately made the decision um but I don't I don't think the the Giants have a good roster I look at that roster um particularly on offense and I think and, and I say that as someone who thinks the Broncos don't have a particularly great offense um so I'm not I'm not kind of lording it over the Giants but I, I just don't see massive talent there I, I don't um and I think that they need to to rectify that I think given he massively overperformed last year but I, I will say I agree with you in that they look underprepared they look lost at times um, they look absolutely lost against the, the Cowboys they looked absolutely lost for three quarters against the Cardinals um, and they looked lost against the Seahawks. And that would be a concern. Uh, Dable should be given time to to sort it out. Um, but I, I, I wonder, you know, what, what, the, what do they, what do they do there? But they have scored fewer points on offense than the Bears. That tells you all you need to know about how the how the how the how the Giants' offense has performed so far this season. Yeah, I don't think anyone seriously suggesting that Dayball will get the the dreaded root hold up before the end of the season. But you know, it, it it's not impossible if if things spiral beyond where they are now. Um, another coach you don't really expect to be on the hot seat, but he has questions to answer. To be fair, and particularly for sticking loyally by uh, Matt Canada is 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 Mike Tomlin. Um, Nobody was necessarily expecting the Steelers to go crazy this season or, or to be contenders, but you expect a level of competitiveness that hasn't necessarily been there. Yeah, it's been um, like there were there were so many expectations coming into the season. Um, and for the first time, I'm seeing Steelers fans really. Now, there have there been some, but a very small minority who've kind of pointed out that while they've had winning seasons um, they've maybe underperformed um, but I think okay, you know everyone's going to have ups and downs and um, you have winning seasons not everyone goes to the playoffs not everyone wins the, the Super Bowl every year but this year has felt different um, it, it really has and again it is how how much they have struggled on offense and the fact that he brought Matt Canada back, like I think, I think if there had been a change at offense coordinator, and even if right now they were struggling, um, people would be much more willing to. I think the other thing that hurt him is that he said there would be changes after the loss on Sunday. He said there would be changes, and then he comes out today and he's like, "Oh no, I I just meant to train changes in our training gear." Like, oh, you know, again that that kind of what is that supposed to mean? So. Um, that's a, no, look, the Steelers are very often best when their backs are against the wall and they are going to face up, uh, against the, the Ravens. And, uh, the other thing he did today is he talked about, um, say flowers for more than a minute, uh, kind of, uh, eulogizing him and, and giving him, uh, praise. Uh, it'll be a, a really tough divisional battle. But you would have to they looked it up against the Browns in their other divisional battle. We shouldn't yeah, forget and, uh, and, and knock them off in surprising fashion. And I think they will front up. But the concern is that the like it doesn't seem like any lessons were learned from last year and any of the struggles. And it looks like Kenny Pickett and that offense 
have regressed, if anything, and regression um, is is a real concern. Tom, let's close it out on the on, on a positive note before before we wrap for the evening. Uh, a good weekend had in London, I take it. Um, you got a good game, you got good weather, um, and as you said, the the Jags kind of near home experience seems to be growing year by year, which certainly will will warm the hearts of us on the, on this side of the Irish Sea as we look forward expectantly to uh, perhaps a first NFL game within the foreseeable future. It's it's, it's closer than it has been in a long time. Uh, you had the London experience again over the weekend. How was it? Yeah, I, I, as I said earlier, I think the big takeaway for me was the fact that the Jags, it felt much more like a home game. And I think that's what, what it needed. Um, the the It will be interesting this week to see how the week in, the full week in London has impacted on uh, the, the Jags. Um, but last year when the Broncos took to the field, there were a smattering of, of boos. Um, but if you've been to a, a game stateside, everyone knows the atmosphere. When the road team takes the, the, the field, they are generally loudly greeted with, with boos. Um, that was the case for, for the Falcons. They The Jags fans made themselves heard. Um, and I mean, I suppose this is what the, the NFL will want, right? Because London has had the games for so long. There are new cities coming on board. Peter O'Reilly was out on podcast last week talking about it. Henry Hodgson has talked about it. We know Madrid is going to happen. They've talked about they've had guys on the ground. They've had guys on the ground in in Rio or teams on on the ground. Um, I I should say I think that's only going to to continue to to grow. Um, it would be interesting to see how long Wembley continues to host games. Um. Like the the experience at Wembley is very different to the experience at Spurs. The fact that Spurs is specifically built with the NFL in mind does make a big difference. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not quite like when you were trying to watch soccer at Croke Park. And if you were sitting down near pitch side, you had no idea if there was a cross coming in from the other side until it actually arrived at the far post. Um, but but uh, it is not the same as being at an NFL ground. Um, but the experience talking to people there, talking to people who went over, the weather was fantastic, which absolutely made it uh, as well. And the walk up Wembley Way is... And you say it's Bills, Jags, this weekend in the London game, Titans, Ravens, the following weekend, we'll have a presence at both of those games. I'm really looking forward to, to getting over to Tottenham myself to see it for the first time for for Titans-Ravens the weekend after next, but we'll be previewing uh, Bills-Jags for this weekend uh, when we do our Thursday preview show. Uh, there's also, of course, the Thursday night uh, football preview podcast. It's Commanders-Bears. Brilliant piece of scheduling. Yay, can't wait for that staying up till 1.20 a.m. on Friday morning for that one, although we do owe the Commanders one. It's it's the, the list of the teams that the Bears owe at this stage is getting ridiculously long, unfortunately, after that 14-game losing streak. Um, but we will be back on Thursday. We've lots more content for you. Thanks very much for joining us this evening on the Irish NFL Show.